Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. So, uh, before we begin, there are some announcements. So first, uh, we're going to do, here at Grace, we're going to host something called Secret Church. We're going to join about 50,000 other participants around the world for this live streaming event. It's Friday, April 29th from 6 p.m. to midnight. The Secret Church is uh, an occasion to identify with the persecuted church and to experience six hours of Bible study and group prayer for the persecuted church. So you're welcome to come out and participate. You need to sign up online, okay? So make sure you go to Grace Connect and find out how to register. Second, uh, church prayer breakfast. Next Sunday, May 1st, is the National Day of Prayer. And so what we want to do is we want to get everybody together from the church from 8.45 in the morning till 10. That means there'll be no... uh, Growth groups, no GGs that Sunday, and uh, we'll meet all together, but you need to register for that as well, and you register for that online, so that uh, we know how many heads are coming and how many eggs to get, I guess, okay? And then uh, hopefully we'll pray together. And then last but not least, today we're going to make an announcement about our supporting uh, caring network with uh, Fill a Bottle, Save a Life. It's a baby bottle drive. There are these bottles out there. Uh, we want them filled up uh, with, uh, well, you know, if you're gonna be cheap about it, your spare change. But you could put a check in here. You could put something that doesn't make any noise in here. You know. Um, anyway, there are bottles upstairs. Anybody want one right now? There you go. Come on, man. Right, Junior! On the bounce. Yes. <coughs> going, going. Whoa. Ducks! <laughs> okay. Anyway. So are, you that's... Playing, are you playing for the White Sox these days? <laughs> no. No. I'm a Cup fan. We only win one game a year before, but we win. We win. So. All right. Put on your seatbelts. I'm going to be a talking head for about 40 minutes. I'll stop in, in between, and we'll talk about uh, things. Um, are you ready? All right. This is the first time we're going to start with the end. 
That's all, folks. Yeah, that's at the end then. So I'm a dispensationalist. So basically, that's what my my theology around end times is going to look like for all of us. I think our church is basically dispensational. And just to give you an idea what that means, it means that through the human history, God has just had different ways that he has called people to obey him. To Sometimes it's called an economy. Sometimes it's called a dispensation. The first dispensation, well, let's make it simple. There was a dispensation when people would, by faith, sacrifice. So it was faith and sacrifice. But now we have a sacrifice that's finished. So we don't have to sacrifice. So now it's by faith and faith. <laughs> it's just faith. So, you know, it's something, it's different. But as you go through the Bible, you see that there is a dispensation of innocence. Adam and Eve were innocent. They were in a garden. There's a dispensation of conscience, the awakening of human conscience when they were expelled from the garden. Human government. You know, there wasn't any law yet by God, but God put uh, the law, and, and Noah began to, to create government, and, and people's groups started creating government after that. Then all of a sudden came along the... the, the, the the dispensation of the promises, the covenants that were made to Abraham, and then there was the law through Moses, grace through Jesus, and then the final uh, dispensation is going to be the eternal kingdom. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. You don't have to agree with this, okay? I think you'd be wrong, but, <laughs> but you don't have to agree with this. So uh, we're going to look at the last three, the law, grace, and kingdom. And uh, here we go. If you, ha you have a little timeline over there, this is the whole thing. I just wanted to give this to you. It has, uh, the Bi it has kind of a, the Bible verses and a, a little bit of a tagline of what the Bible verse is about. It, this all fits into the, the theological, eschatological timeline that I think is uh, revealed in Scripture. And... Uh, it's going to be divided into seven different parts. So we're going to we'll take a look at the cross, which is all about the 69th week of Daniel. Um, we're going to look at the church age, but that only the Father knows the length of the church age. Okay? We're going to look at the 70th week. We're going to find out that Daniel talked about 70 weeks. 69 would come up to the place where the, the chosen one would be cut off. Okay, to us, that's Jesus being killed on the cross, okay? Um, then the, they're, they're, uh, the 70th week begins. It begins with tribulation. It goes for 1,260 days, and then all of a sudden there's a new set of events that occurs. That's the midweek, and that's, I think it's the wrath of God that happens at that point. And then we come to the end of the 70th week, and um, there are some additional days there's a 30-day segment and a 75-day segment. And it's like, well, wait a second, what's that all about? I thought it was going to be two perfectly halved seven years. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then there's going to be the Millennial Kingdom and what some of the components of that. And then the Eternal State, which is not going to be us sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Okay? Now, you might be able to do that if you want to do that in heaven, but I think there's going to be a lot more exciting, wonderful things that are going to happen, and you'll see. It's all tied up in just a couple verses in Romans that are just amazing. So let's take a look at this first part. The time gap 
Daniel 9.24. It's the 70th week, and we'll look at the 69th and 70th week. So, in Daniel 9.24 through 26, Daniel said, the, an angel reveals to Daniel this. He says, 70 sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression. To finish being bad. Okay? To put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy. There won't be any necessity for it anymore. And to anoint the most holy. Well, 77s, as we will find out, the sevens are seven-year periods. So 77s is 490 years. So from some point, okay, that he hasn't described yet, to another point, there's going to be a total of 490 years. All right? So let's find out where those points are. Now, no one understand this. From the issuing of a decree to restore the rebuilding of Jerusalem, okay, so now that happened twice. So we've got to figure out which one it was. Cyrus said in about 527 or 5 something like that, uh, B.C., before Christ, he said, go to Jerusalem and rebuild it. He gave the okay to go back. Nobody did it. So Artaxerxes comes along in 444 B.C., and he gives, he gives the, the, uh, the command to go ahead this time again. This time it's with a person, with two people actually. One's Nehemiah and one's Ezra. And they actually get people together. They actually give, uh, the, the, the king Artaxerxes actually gives them money, gives them uh, resources and materials, and they actually go and do it. So people think that this is the starting point at 444 B.C., okay? So until, now that's so, the, there's the, the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, 444 B.C., and here, that's the beginning end, the back end, the end of it, until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be 77s and 77s seven and 62 sevens. Oh, are you kidding me? So what he's basically saying, okay, there's going to be seven sevens, 49 years. I mean, sorry, one, yeah, 49 years plus 62 sevens. So the first set, the 49 years, is the rebuilding part of Jerusalem, okay? So the first set of that 69 weeks is actually the, the, where they're building rebuilding Jerusalem. And then, after that, there will be 62 sevens. So anyway, you add all that up, and it comes out to, uh, it, and it, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Now, when we read Nehemiah, when we read Ezra, we see that there's this guy, Sanballat, and there's this guy, Tobias, I think is his name, and, and they're just causing all kinds of grief. They're kind of like saying, Hey, Nehemiah, why don't you come over for the weekend? We could talk about what you're doing there. Nehemiah goes, if I go to that party, I ain't coming back. So, you know, he knows that they're out to threaten. They're threatening him. They're writing letters to the governors. They're writing letters to the king, you know. They want to stop because they see it as a threat. It's a threat to their own power. So, anyway, we get down to this place where there's 483 years from the... Uh, 
the, the, the Artaxerxes saying, let's rebuild, giving the command to rebuild Jerusalem to where the anointed one appears. Okay? So let's go to the next verse here. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and have nothing. This is the anointed one. So who's the anointed one? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Right. Okay. In the first, uh, the, pair, uh, the, the verse before this, it says that the anointed one will come. <clears throat> when did the anointed one come? When do you think? So it either came in Bethlehem, right? Or when was he recognized as the anointed one? Maybe when he came through on a donkey and fulfilled the Zechariah prophecy. You know, it says, here comes your king, humble, meek, riding on a foal of a donkey. Okay? So, anyway, this is really interesting. So, people have sat down and said, okay, let's figure this out. Well, from Scripture, we knew that they wanted to have Jesus off the cross because the Passover was going to be on a Sabbath, which makes it a holy, high Passover. So you look at the, 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 the calendars, and during the time of Christ, there was only three high Passovers. 26 after uh, Domino, 26 uh, AD, 33 AD, and 36 AD. Okay, so it had to be one of those three. So when you, this guy by the name of Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was like formerly with Scotland Yard or something like that, 150 years ago, sat down and goes, i got to figure this out. So he got all the information, all the historical information, and he came out and he said that actually that, that, the, uh, that Jesus rode through on the foal of a donkey in the year uh, 32 AD. Another guy by the name of Honer said, no, you know, actually, you made a mistake and you did not translate the, the Jewish calendar to the, to the uh, Gregorian calendar correctly, and you missed some days. So he came out, and it actually was a year later, to 33 AD, which is actually the year that there was a high Passover. Okay, so that's lining up. Then this guy by the name of Callahan figured out that they missed the Adad month, the Hebrew month of Adad, that included extra days for leap year, okay? So I mean, over time, I mean, it's getting honed. You know, they're getting better and better at this. And he came down with the exact day that he believed Jesus rode through the, the, the Jerusalem, the gates of Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, and that would have been March 24th, AD 33. That all fits, okay? So now we see that the 69 weeks that Daniel prophesied with the beginning starting at the issuance of a decree to rebuild Jerusalem to the day that the king, the anointed one, came into Jerusalem is, <laughs> is all fulfilled. But there's one extra week. There's the 70th week. And that 70th week uh, is... Um, is, is, is going to happen after something that was unforeseen occurred. 
and that was the church. The church was a mystery. It was, wasn't revealed. It was, it was a thing where the, the, the Gentiles, without hope, without the law, and, and they, were, they were just excluded from all the covenants, and the Jews who had the law and had the, the prophecies and had the covenants and, and, and had the commandments, they rejected it. So both sides now deserved only one thing, and that was judgment. Okay? But what happened instead was God revealed grace. And he died for both of them. And he made them one. In that, they both now came to the one sacrifice that, 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 that finished and completed all the sacrifices that were uh, before them, that were kind of just showing that there needed to be a perfect sacrifice. Because all the ones that they had created for 490 years didn't handle it. It just covered sin. It didn't deal with sin. Okay? So we find ourselves at the end of the 69th week, and the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Well, when, when's the end going to come? And he said, You know, I don't even know this. The angels don't know it. Only our Father in heaven knows exactly when that's going to happen. So that first gap time there from the cross to the beginning of the 70th week, we don't know how long it's going to be. It's just up to God. So let me bring you to the beginning of the 70th week. We don't know how long it's going to be to get there. It could happen today. It may not happen for a number of years. Okay? But it's going to happen. Only the Father knows when this gets kicked off, so to speak. So, this is where we're going to get into rapture stuff here. But anyway, so we enter the first 1260 days, which is three and a half years, which is half of the 70th week. This is when the 70th week happens. And the 70th week is all about God preparing the world, and, 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 just, and there's, there's consequences for sin, and there's judgment for sin, and... We figure, we'll have to figure out where the church is involved with all of this. So let's take a look at the first uh, 1,260 days. So the first 1,260 days, I, I, these are the prophesied events. And um, I don't know if they're chronological or not, but these are the, these are the events that occur in that first 1260 days. At least I believe occur in the first 1260 days. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Okay? But for the best of my study and the study of other people that I've, you know, you, I've gotten this from, I've received this from, I believe this is what's going to happen. So at the beginning of the, some people believe at the beginning of the, the 70th week, the first thing that happens is that the universal churches raptured, that it's caught up, okay? So, and, and you know from the scripture, it says that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we who are alive are going to be caught up to be with God in heaven. And, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say that in the twinkling of an eye, from here to there, to heaven, like this, I mean, not even a blink. It's a twinkle. Have you ever seen a twinkle in someone's eye? It's just like that little spark, you know, just the light catches it. We're, we're going to go from mortal to immortal 
from falling apart, corrupted, to incorruptible. I mean, we're going to sit there and go, holy cow, Jack, what happened to you? Look at you, dude. You know, it's going to be amazing, you know? Um, so that's, so that first thing is going to happen because uh, I'll, take, I'll take a look at it a little bit, but uh, some people believe that we will not, in, not have to endure any of uh, God's wrath. So we will be removed from that before it all happens. I prefer that this would happen. <laughs> I don't believe it's going to happen. Okay? Because I believe something else. Um, so anyway, when we go down, we go down the list, the temple sacrifice is going to be reinstituted. Well, there's no temple right now. So either A, the temple is going to be built again, okay? But some clever people say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What if they just find the old tabernacle, the old tent? You know, because supposedly that was at one time, it kind of just like disappeared after they made the temple. It could be stored somewhere. And so maybe they just put up the tent and they start to sacrifice there. So maybe it could happen like in a weekend. You know, they find the tent, they say, hey, we're putting it up, you know, and we're going to start sacrifice. But we don't know exactly. So it's either the, the built temple or the tent, the tabernacle temple. The Antichrist will make a firm covenant for one week with the people. Somebody, some political leader, is going to make a peace pact with Jerusalem for seven years. I don't know why it gets to seven years. And I don't know if we're going to know about this, if it's going to be in the news. <coughs> You know, if it's going to be edited out of Twitter, we won't see it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be something that we're aware of or not aware of. But if we're aware of it, anybody makes a, you know, a peace pact with Israel for seven years, get ready. Get ready. Because it could be time. Okay? 144,000 Israelites, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, will be sealed in a special way. There will be 144,000 Jewish people who are going to come to faith. Actually, they're men, and actually they are dedicating themselves to the Lord. And, and um, it, it's amazing, you know. God's going to seal them in a very special way. I don't know when that's going to happen in that first 12, 60 days, but it's going to happen. Now you say, well, how do they know what tribe they're in? Well, I, I know Jewish people who know what tribe they're in. Because for 2,000 years, for 3,000 years, their mothers and their fathers have been passing along that you are from Judah. I have a friend who is in the toy industry. His name is Elliot Riddell. He knows he's a Kohen. He's a priest. He knows he's from the, the priestly tribe of Levi. And you talk to him, you know, he's from the... <laughs> I mean, he's something else. Man, you should hear this guy pray. He prays, you're like, oh, wow, God's here somewhere listening. This is really big stuff. All right. The seal judgments begin. So the scroll is presented. There's no one that could open it up. And, and, and Daniel starts crying. And he's like, whoa, what's in, what's in there? And, and no one could open it up. And then the anointed one steps up. And he starts peeling off the seals. And with each seal, there's a judgment on the earth. Okay? There are trumpet judgments. The last 
seal that's pulled off, the seventh seal that's pulled off, all of a sudden a trumpet blast. And there's another judgment. It's a trumpet judgment. There's seven of those. Seven seals, seven years, seven trumpets. Do you hear a trend here? Seven. Fullness. Completeness. Okay? And then there'll be the seven thunder peals speak. There are seven thunders that speak out. And, and, and Daniel's like, wow! And it's God's voice. It's God talking. You know, <clears throat> there's a word that's used in, in Hebrew in the Old Testament that's, that's used for voice. David says in his psalm, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my prayer. Okay? Well, literally translated, it says in the morning, you will hear my thunder. And thunder is the same word, the same translation that's used whenever God the Father speaks. It's called thunder. You know? They heard a thunder. And, they, and Jesus said, it's translated, uh, this is Jesus, my son, and whom my, my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. But the people heard thunder. Yes? Uh, we don't have that on the sheet. So. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's a good reason. You want to know why? Uh, Daniel was told not to write it down. <laughs> he said, no, just tell them there's seven peals of thunder. Don't tell them what it's going to say. So we don't know what it is, but just write it down. <laughs> just between you and me. Don't let anybody else know. Right? Okay. If you get up to heaven and God says, I saw you had thunders on that sheet. <clears throat> yeah, tell them that. Tim Lohan did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back here with Ralph and Ted and Animal. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I know. It's like you should have a special uh, mansion now, right? <clears throat> okay. And then there are the two olive branches, the two witnesses that are going to begin ministry, that are going to just proclaim God's word to the world. And they're going to do amazing miracles like Moses did. And, and they're going to walk around. And they're going to be indestructible. I mean, the Antichrist is going to be going after them like crazy. And it says that he, they're going to consume people with the fire of their breath. And I'm assuming that's not pepperoni. I'm assuming that's like you know, truth. You know? So God's truth is going to be is consuming the lies that the world is going to put forth. And these two witnesses are going to begin their ministry. And then, there's one other thing. There is going to be a religious system in the world that's going to dominate everything. In fact, the Bible says that it's going to be a form of godliness without power. So it's going to look good, okay? It's going to look real. It's going to look holy. It's going to be wrong. Completely wrong. All right? But it's going to dominate. People are just going to whoosh right into it. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I want to be part of that. Okay? So that's the, the, the key events that Scripture, and this is not all the events, but I think it's the key events, that Scripture tells you will occur in the first 1260 days of, of the um, uh, 70th week, that missing 70th week. And I believe that all of this has got to do with tribulation. There's a word called, a Greek word called philipsis. And it means just um, suffering through hard things. Okay? There's another word for wrath. And 
That word for wrath is not used in this first 70 days, the first 1260 days of the 70th week. So uh, I believe that even though some people believe that the rapture is going to occur at the beginning of the first part of the 70th week, I'm not quite so sure. And I'll, I'll explain to you why in a little bit. Okay, any questions? I mean, I know. All right, I'm sorry. All right, let's just keep moving. Then. Okay, so let's talk about the rapture real quickly. Scenario number one is escaping all the testing and all the tribulation. Why do we believe that? Romans 5 9 says, much more than, much more than, Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Okay? So there it is. It's in black and white. We're not going to experience the wrath of God. God's wrath came down on one of his kids once. He's never going to do it again. His wrath came down on his son. It's never going to be on another one of his sons or daughters. Okay? Revelation 3.10 says, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance... I will also keep you from the hour of testing. Oh. That hour which is about to come on the whole world, okay? To test those who dwell on the earth. That's the promise made to the Church of Philadelphia in the beginning of the book of Revelation. So no wrath, no testing. Okay? First Thessalonians 4.16. We all know part, probably a lot of us know this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall be with the Lord forever, actually. Okay? We don't have an earthly reward as followers of Christ. We have a heavenly reward. We don't have a kingdom here on earth. We're given a kingdom in heaven. Um, so let those things kind of wash over you and stick them and file them in your head as we go through this. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 52 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Sleep is the word that the New Testament always uses for the death of a believer. Why? Because we don't stay dead. We wake up. Okay. You know, it's interesting. You know, why, you know why Jesus cried out the top of his voice when Lazarus died and he was in the tomb? You know why he cried out, Lazarus, come forth? Anybody know why? Because if he had just said, come forth, the whole cemetery would have come out. <laughs> so he wanted to make sure that just the right guy came forth. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Remember that last trumpet. Okay, a little more information. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Okay, so people look at this and they say, you know what, we're not going through the rapture, and we're not going through the uh, 70th week. We're not going through the tribulation period. That's a time of testing. That's a time of wrath. We're not going to do that. So people believe, with good reason, that the rapture may occur before the 70th week or the time of the tribulation occurs. Okay? So there's a good reason for it. Uh, rewards. The rewards will be handed out. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. Um, if any man builds his foundation using gold, silver, or costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, 
which are all, I believe, figures of speech of work, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. So it's, we're all going to see all of our work and it will be revealed with fire. And fire will test the quality of each man's work. And if what he has built survives, then he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. But only as one escaping through the flames. So, I envision that one day we're going to stand there uh, before Christ as believers. And there's going to be like a table of offering. And all of our work's going to be there. Okay? And God's going to look at it. I, I don't know if you noticed, but when it talks about Jesus, he always has fiery eyes. I believe his vision is going to be like fire. And he's going to look at our works. And we're going to say, oh my gosh, that's on there. I don't want that there. It's going to be burned away. And then we're like, oh my goodness, that too? Burned away. And, and we're going to sit there. I'm just hoping I've got one little gem left, okay? And I, and I think... We're going to take that one gem and say, that's yours, Jesus. That was you doing this through me. That wasn't even me. All that other stuff was me. This is you working through me. And I think it's going to be marvelous. Marvelous. 1 Corinthians 4, <clears throat> 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before its appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and expose the motives of men's hearts. And at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Yeah. It doesn't say condemnation from God. It doesn't say judgment from God. He's going to look at our life and he's going to say, Jack, you did a good job. You were great. And you're going to turn around and you're going to go, really? <laughs> and he's going to go, yeah. And you're going to go, so we're good. <laughs> God's not going to... His children are not going to go through judgment. They're going to go through a time of, of, of reward. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat. That's the Bema seat. It's a, it's a word that used to describe a little while, actually a little area that was like this. They put a chair there, and then the leader of the city would sit in that chair, and then they'd bring all the people before him that had complaints about something or somebody else, and he would make a judgment. And that's, that's the picture that, that uh, Paul is using to describe what's going to happen with us. We're going to come before Jesus. He's going to be sitting on the seat. And, but, but again, it, <clears throat> it's not going to be for judgment. It's going to be for reward. It'll be for praise. You know, I, I go figure. I mean, that's how powerful, whatever Jesus did, that's how powerful it is on the cross. Because it not only... Not only took away our sins and made it account for all of our sins, it, it, it just turned everything that we do, or you know, we just try to surrender our will to, to be glorious in His sight. And it's just a powerful, powerful thing. All right, let's take a look at the next section of the uh, of the the seventh seventieth week, the last twelve hundred sixty days. Uh, you'll see that over there, there's another uh, picture of, of a rapture. That's kind of where I fall. I'm, I'm a mid-trib mid rapture guy, okay? Um, 
And like I said, I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather go here. <laughs> but I mean, I'll, I'll take wherever he's going to take me up. By the way, I should just stop and say, I don't have one at the end of the seventh week, and some people believe that, okay? I don't have that here because if this is where the millennial kingdom comes, and Jesus comes to establish an earthly kingdom with Israel for a thousand years, okay? And this is where all of the righteous people are caught up, okay? Every single one of them, everyone that's a believer in Jesus Christ, that means Jesus comes down to a kingdom where there isn't a single believer in the world. So I, I think that's just an er erroneous interpretation, erroneous picture, all right? I just have a hard time believing it. Okay. All right, let's see what happens during the 70th week. The second part of the 70th week. So the Antichrist stops the uh, sacrifice. That's Daniel 9. By the way, please, go through all these, tra these uh, verses. They're all there. You'll see it. You'll read with your own eyes. The Holy Spirit will fill you as you read his word, and it'll begin to make sense with you over time. So the Antichrist stops the sacrifice right in the middle. <clears throat> and then Daniel goes on to say, the one who makes desolate becomes evident. And Thessalonians says, in the middle of the week, what he's going to do is he's going to establish himself as God in the temple. And he's going to say, sacrifice to me. I'm God. All right, so this is the same person who made the seven-year pact with Jerusalem of peace. In the middle of it, he's going to break it and set himself up as the one who is now God. Uh, I believe there's a mid-trib rapture where we receive wards. I'll explain that a little bit later. Uh, the two witnesses now are killed. The, the, for, a, for a moment, God gives the Antichrist the power to overwhelm these two um, these two uh, witnesses, they're called the olive branches, or olive trees, I'm sorry. And um, the whole world rejoices. It's like Christmas. They start giving each other gifts because they have plagued the whole world. And everybody's rejoicing. That They leave the bodies of these people, probably leave in the streets of Jerusalem somewhere, and they're just sitting there, and everybody's rejoicing. They're dancing around it. They're saying, oh, we're free and everything like that. Three days later, they get up. And they're resurrected. And the world goes, uh-oh. <laughs> All right? Um, the bold judgments now happen. And these bold judgments are a lot like the, the Egyptian plagues. And you can read that in Revelation 16. Satan now is cast from heaven, and he empowers the Antichrist during this time. So he goes from being a political leader to a demonically empowered leader. Uh, there's a time of distress that's called Jacob's Troubles Begin. And that's in Jeremiah and Revelation. You can read that. The Antichrist says, I don't want that world church anymore. I'm the church now. And the whole world church is destroyed by this Antichrist. So now he is the only God that everybody in the world will, will worship. Um, the kings of the north and the south make war on the Antichrist, so he even has troubles. The Antichrist is defeated and he's killed. And then commercial Babylon, the whole economic system of the world collapses. So those are the key things, again, 
that happened. And I believe that the second part of the 70th week has the wrath of God in it, not the first part. first part, I believe, is tribulation. And that's why I believe we will be raptured at this point before the wrath happens. And let me explain to you why. <clears throat> so the po second possible scenario for a mid-trib rapture is the last trumpet. Remember it says, in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will come. Well, in Revelation 11, 15, the seventh angel sounds the seventh and last trumpet. Okay? And it says, there will be a loud voice in heaven which says, the kingdom of the world has come, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the, they're seated on the thrones before God fell on their faces, this is in heaven, and worship God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. There it is. It's the first time in the Bible, in the Revelation, where it says God's wrath came. There's another place earlier, I have to tell you this, full disclosure, where the people of the world run and they hide. And they say, this must be the wrath of the Lamb. But they're not inspired. This is inspired. This, I believe, is where the wrath shows up. And it says, and for your reward, and for rewarding your servants. So there's the, the catching up to reward, and there is the wrath of God, and there's the last trumpet. So this is the, the evidence of the last trumpet. There's more evidence, the evidence of the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and gathering together with him. Okay? So that's the, the perusia, they call it, the, the gathering together of him. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed, either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if even from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. It says, Let no one in you any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. I don't believe he's revealed for sure until he takes his place in the temple and says, I'm God. I think then we all know he's the one. And that happens in the middle of the week. Okay? So Daniel 9.27 says, he'll, and it backed up by Daniel, it says, he will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, and this is on the wing uh, of the temple, of, or the abomination, okay, he will set up an abomination that will cause desolation until the end of that is decreed is poured out on him. So the abomination is that he sets himself up as God in the temple. So the second evidence is the Antichrist and when he comes and he's revealed, which is in the middle of the week. The third evidence I have is the wrath of God, which I kind of just explained to you, that the Christians are promised deliverance through tribulation, okay? We're promised deliverance through tribulation. In other words, no matter what happens, God will take us through it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? He takes me through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't take me around the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't even take me into it. He takes me through it. So the idea here is that God empowers us to go through anything, just the way his son could go through anything. 
which is kind of encouraging and scary at the same time. Um, Romans says, since now we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So again, we're saved from the wrath, and it appears that the wrath doesn't happen until the seventh angel blows the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, and the wrath of God is poured out on the world. Okay. So the rapture scenario two, the summary, is that deliverance from God's wrath. God's wrath is part of the seventh and last trumpet revelation. That last trumpet signals the beginning of the bold judgments following the completion of the first 1260 days. Therefore, based on the revelation of the Antichrist, the timing of the last trumpet, and the coming of God's wrath, the second rapture scenario, to me, seems like to be midweek, following the first 1260 days. All right, we can power through some of this because it's big and it's forever. By the way, we're going through like 4,000 years of history here in like 40 minutes a day. So um, we've got this unusual uh, thing, this extra periods of time that, that kind of extend out past the, seven, um, the 70th week before the Millennial Kingdom happens. So just to take a quick look at it, um, oops, let me back up, I'm sorry. So, um, there's, a, there's a verse uh, that says, I think I messed up here, let me just see something. Oh, here, the extra days, let me get to that. Uh, the extra days. Uh, Daniel says, from the time that the sacrifice is abolished, and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Well, wait a second. We just read there was 1,260 days. Where did the 30 days come from? Well, people believe that the extra 30 days may be for judgment. All right? So what happened is that now we are, God is judging the people from his great white throne, and, and, and he's sending people to hell. You know, he's saying, listen, you know, you didn't believe. So some people believe it has to do with judgment, uh, those 30 days. But then Daniel 12, 12, the very next verse says, blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of 1,335 days. All right, what are you doing to us here, Lord? You know, uh, so there's an extra 75 days. Some people, theologians, that I'm just going to agree with, think that that has to do with the setting up of the kingdom. So Jesus comes, he's coming, and he's going to set up all the kingdoms, and he's making sure, you know, where everything is, who's the leaders, and all, whatever it ends up looking like. So that has to do with setting up the kingdom. Um, that's our best explanation for those extra days. You guys blown away, your brain's kind of like, sorry, yeah, sorry about that. Listen, you know, um, you might get an extra room added onto your ma mansion after you've had to listen to me for 40 minutes. Sorry about that. So the Millennial Kingdom, let's just talk about that real quick, lady. Um, that's the, the sixth, almost the last segment. So during the, the Millennial Kingdom, the Old Testament saints are resurrected. So there's a resurrection, not only of the church, but there's a resurrection of all the believing Old Testament saints. That's Jan, Dan 12, uh, Daniel 12, uh, 2. And then there's also the saints receive the kingdom. So Jesus returns, and he returns with 
all of the children that have come to, to believe in him in the church. He, he leads this victorious, triumphant, uh, uh, descending down to earth to, to take over his kingdom with us. With us. And then there's the marriage feast of the Lamb. In Revelation 19, 7 through 9, where, where Jesus takes a look at his church. He presents her without spot, without wrinkle. She is beautiful. She's arrayed in white. Um, and it's us. Jesus just considers himself married to each one of us. Uh, so that's, that, that's the component that begins the, uh, the uh, millennial kingdom. It's those three things. Uh, and then, let's get to the final component here. The millennial kingdom ends and the ex eternal kingdom begins. So at the end of the thousand years, God releases Satan from the abyss and he deceives the nations because not everybody is going to be a true believer, true follower of God. Even though he exists right in front of them, they'll still rebel against him. And to flesh all that out, God releases Satan. Satan goes and deceives the nations. He gathers together the global armies brought against Jerusalem. And then God consumes them with fire. They're gone. Uh, Satan is cast eternal into the eternal lake of fire. That's in Revelation 20.10. Then there's a great white throne of judgment. That's the resurrection of all the lost. And they're brought before God's throne. It's the great white throne of judgment. You and I will never be a part of that. In fact, you and I will be there sort of to observe and to witness and maybe even to judge. Um, the present earth and heavens are destroyed. And Peter says that, that the elements, the atoms, will melt. Um, we're not quite sure if this is a complete destruction of the heavens and the earth and replaced with a whole new one. Or like the flood destroyed the whole earth and wiped it clean to start over again. We're not quite sure which one of those two scenarios it is, okay? But we do know that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And then Christ's eternal rule uh, will occur in the eternal state. He will be over everything. And everyone will... will no, there won't be a rebel, a rebel against them. There won't be a single rebellion against them. And then finally, for us, creation is going to be set free and restored to its original state by the children of God. That's you and me. So for eternity, now remember, the universe could be infinite in size. The first job we were given was, was to care for and, and actually cultivate, which means to make grow the Garden of Eden. A lot of, this, a lot of uh, biblical scholars believe what that meant was that here's the earth, the whole earth, here's the Garden of Eden, and if Adam and Eve were going to do what they were supposed to do, the Garden of Eden was supposed to grow and grow until it covered the entire world, and maybe even the entire universe. So I think what's going to happen it's like God's going to look at all of us and he's going to go, time to get back to the job we started. <laughs> Let's take this kingdom and make it grow. And it's going to be all of our jobs. And we will work 
gladly for, I don't know, whatever time it is, we will have our jobs. My wife's going to be pulling weeds. <laughs> I know that. She's going, be, she's going to be telling Jesus where the roses should go. I think they go over there. You know? But we will have responsibilities that will once again have Eden grow over the entire universe. And I think that's going to be our job for a very, 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 very long time. Okay, any questions? Uh, good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this. I'm sorry it's like a talking head thing, but I wanted you to be exposed to stuff. And listen, I am willing to sit down and you know talk about any of this stuff with you. Like I told you before, you know, one of my spiritual gifts is eating, so if you want to do it over lunch or breakfast, I'm there. Um, okay. So Wayne John wanted to say this was coming up. Sure. Yeah, for for uh Thanks, Wayne. That was great. I understand everything perfectly. <laughs> so we're going to cancel class. We all know. Uh, there's no class active for Salt Lake. Two weeks from today, we're going to be in the activity center, and we're going to be handing out, uh, I don't know if this is on the table, but this is a copy that will help you diagram as, as Mark and I go through uh, prophecy with Donald Perkins. I think you'll find it very, very interesting. So Salt Lake, two weeks from today, meet in the activity center. And uh, bring your questions, and you're welcome to attend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I, I get to come because then he gets to tell me what's really right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Mark's job. Yeah, you know, so what we got? Just uh, in two minutes, what, what, is, what is being exposed to this? What's it going to do to you? What, what does it make, how does it make you have a, a newer appreciation or awareness of who Jesus is? God's plan, how planned everything is. You know, there's no mistakes. What would you tell somebody? I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not looking for answers right now. They're not rhetorical, but I want you to think about them. I mean, your neighbor, your neighbor needs to know that God loves them, and, and he hates sin. And, and he did whatever it would take. It, it, literally, he says to you, I would rather die than not have a relationship with you. And he did. Yes? I think a lot of people feel that the end times are here, whether they're Christian or not, you know, it's climate change. They see things deteriorating, and they see evil people are not judged. But to me, as I listen to this, Evil and bad things are coming. But in the end, God wins. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a scary, but it's a very hopeful message. All right, well, um, who would like to just end our time in prayer? I <coughs> Okay. Lord, uh, this is a big topic. We don't understand it all. But you have uh, taken the time to have uh, men and people write it down. And you encourage us to study to show ourselves approved. So I pray that we will uh, do the best we can with all this material. And uh, that as we go forward, we would even learn uh, some more about what your word says. We know that in Revelations it says, Bless read the words of this prophecy. So we trust in your word that you will bless us as we take time to study this. Thank you for Wayne and all the weeks he's taught. Many of us are not at all of them. 
we appreciate the effort he's done. And so we uh, pray for continued blessing to in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. That's all, folks. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.